Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to that Chelsea podcast. Happy Easter. I'm joined by three special guests this week returning to the podcast. It's Jam at Carefree Jam. Jam, how are we doing, my man? Yeah, all good, mate. All good. It's always a pleasure to be on. Um, And yeah, we're joined by uh, two special guests here. (laughs) Um, But yeah, other than hay fever, I'll say it now. Apologies in advance if I sneeze. But uh, other than that, my life's good, mate. And and Chelsea, of course, but we'll get to that. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Uh, returning to the podcast again, Akash. Akash, how are we doing? Uh, all good, bro. Uh, can't complain, but you know, lot lo- lots to complain about from a footballing point footballing point of view. But uh, <laughs> just happy that Frank Lampard's back. Yeah, indeed. We'll get onto that later in the show. And making his debut on the podcast, uh, you'll know, you'll probably know him from Twitter a little bit if you're on the Bird app. Uh, see some of his tweets. Uh, I've had the pleasure of, of spending time with him at, at games in the past. He's a, he's a good friend of mine. It's Harry. Harry, how are we doing, my man? I'm very good, thanks, mate. Thank you very much for having me on for the first time. Um, yeah, apart from the football, I'm I'm doing well. Nice one. Nice one. As I always do with guests, I get them just to give themselves a plug where people can find them. Uh, so, Harry, you know, tell people where they can find you on Twitter if they want to see your just various tweets and ramblings. Yeah, sure. So um, I'm on Twitter. That's that's all I'm on at the moment. I don't think I'll be expanding elsewhere either. Um, I'm at HK Saratov, which is S-A-R-A-T-O-V. Nice one. Nice one. Harry's link will be in the description below. Uh, Jam, tell people where they can find you and all the good work that Chelsea Social are doing. Yeah. Hi, people. You can find me on at Kev free underscore jam. Um, that's on Twitter, Instagram and TikTok. Um Although TikTok's mostly just resharing videos. Uh, and then, yeah, I'm one of the co-owners of the Chelsea Social, which is at the Chelsea Social. Um, 
and that is on Twitter and Instagram and then at the CFCW social for the women's team. That's also Twitter and Instagram. So check us out. Nice one. Links will be in the description below. And Akash, tell people where they can find you. You're quite aloof these days. Yeah. So I, I quit Twitter after uh, Lampard got sacked because it just didn't, you know, the amount of time I was spending on it for debating people just didn't, you know, cut it for me. But I'm there on Instagram at akash.hebar and... Uh, so I am currently part of a Chelsea fan group in Kerala and we do a lot of uh, Chelsea content, which is in regional languages in India, but we're trying to branch out into English as well. So that is Chelsea Karen. Uh, it, it's, a Malu, it's, it's a Malayalam word, so I'll send it over to you, Nick, and you can probably paste it in the description. Nice one, nice one. All links will be in the description below. Right, it's been a, an eventful week off the pitch at Chelsea, not very eventful on the pitch. Um, Chelsea played Liverpool on Wednesday night? I think it was Wednesday night, yeah. We drew 0-0. Chelsea, we won XG 2.43 to 0.29. You killed the man, but not the idea, Chelsea. Uh, Chelsea-Liverpool have scored zero goals from 12.73 XG between them over their last four meetings. Um, yeah. Bruno Salter's one and only game in charge of Chelsea. We don't talk about Bruno. Um, right, Jam, that was the <laughs> tale of the season, really. It was. It just is what it is, you know. If you, you we, we play we play quite well, I guess, but we just can't score. Honestly, um, yeah, I I've got myself to a point where I don't really let Chelsea piss me off anymore, because if if you do, then you know it's just going to keep on happening, whatever it may be, things you see, you know, reports coming out or on the pitch, you're just going to keep getting pissed off. So, a few months ago, I made the decision in my head that I was just going to kind of let go this season. It's done. But that game managed to take me right back to where I was two months ago at the start of the year. I could not believe it because I really disliked that team. I was thinking, Liverpool, let's at least beat them at home and see what we can do for the rest of the season. But obviously, you know, you try and get optimistic thinking, OK, we've had a change. The manager's gone. Um, we've had some change. Maybe there'll be a bit of a bounce. It's the same old thing. Yeah, we can cook them building up to the attack. When we get to the box, oh my God, that finishing was so bad. It was so bad. I mean, I actually cracked a joke. I said that finishing was like uh, carefree Jude's finishing, when, you know, of his food, like when he's cooking it. It's, it's terrible. But um, look, we know these issues are going to persist for the rest of the season. I think that was a massive reality check just to remind everyone and say, look, we still can't score in a brothel. So that's me in a nutshell with that game. That's all I want to say. Piss me off. Yep, fair enough. Um, Harry, we had two goals disallowed. Uh, one for offside. Uh, we always seem to get offside goals against Liverpool. Marginal offside calls uh, turned down. And then the second goal, Hamble. I missed the second goal because I was in the concourse having a pint, chatting with a mate, which kind of just sums up my state of, of how little I cared for, for that game on Wednesday night. You know, I, I hear the roar of the concourse. I check a screen, see we've scored. By the time I'm up to my seat, VAR has uh, ruled the goal out. Just, yeah, frustrating. Yeah, extremely frustrating. And it was quite hilarious to see um, Kai Havertz sort of wheel away in celebration, despite he the fact that he must have known <laughs> that he hadn't pulled it into the net. Um, but yeah, um, really gutting. Uh, I, I can't stand the Scousers. Um, and uh, yeah, just generally um, horrific result once again. But yeah. Yeah, no, fair enough, fair enough. Akash, if it were... Positive or two, we saw Angola Kante on a football pitch for 68 minutes, and that was probably the one of the rare, one of the few things 
that night that actually kind of just made me somewhat happy being at Stamford Bridge, just watching watching that game because there was not a lot else. Um, and then obviously I thought Wesley Fofana was was pretty outstanding. I think uh, a lot of people were calling for Kante to be sold. Right? I was fighting with people here in India, left, right and centre saying, if he has that just one UCL performance left in him, we offer him the contract. Because he is probably right up there with Modric as the best midfielder of this generation. And you don't let go of players like that. And funny story about the match, we, I was watching it at a friend's place and his son was, as in two-year-old, was sitting next to us. I think at one point, he had so much, you know, he had he'd had enough of the bad finishing, he actually threw a photo frame onto the TV and ended up cracking it. So I had to watch the second half on my phone. And I think that's sort of, you know, uh, it's sort of apt for how the season has gone. I think a lot of us have thrown things at our, our TV over the course of the season and hopefully next year's better. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Well, you know, Chelsea moved one point closer to, to the magic 40-point mark uh, with, with that draw against Liverpool. Hey, if we could play Liverpool every week, we would be, you know, guaranteed uh, survival. Yeah, it was very frustrating. Honestly, Chelsea, Liverpool, rivaling Chelsea, that Chelsea-Man United 1-1 game earlier in the season is one of the worst games you'll see between two big sides, big, big six sides this season. It was very, very poor. Um, there's not a lot else to say. You know, we missed chances, you know, there was, you know, watching Joel Felix at times was nice. And then you also kind of just realised you are also incredibly frustrating. Um, as as Harry mentioned, uh, the audacity of Kai Havertz to just wheel away celebrating as he did when he's clearly come off his arm. It's a, it's a bit reminiscent of Timo Werner, knee sliding after he clearly handballed it in against Leicester a couple of years ago. Yeah, it was frustrating. It was just comical. And just It kind of just summed up Chelsea's season, really. A nil-nil draw against... Liverpool and obviously we kind of knew that Bruno Salter, the man in charge, did not want to be in charge of Chelsea. He'd come in with Graham Potter and, you know, he obviously had no affinity to Chelsea prior to coming. He had affinity to Brighton to Graham Potter, so it kind of makes sense. But he did not want to be there and he is no longer Chelsea's interim coach because, chaps, Frank Lampard is back. Who had that on the 2023 bingo card? Uh, Not me. Um, But yeah, I guess what, you know, what's quite funny is that, you know, rumours of his return sort of, it's the ultimate sort of meta Lampard transition that it starts off as a joke we see him at Stamford Bridge the night of a game and people are just like oh Frank Lampard for the end of the season and then you know it's kind of late you mentioned briefly sort of his reporters as an option and then throughout the day it just gathers pace and all of a sudden it becomes the thing yeah Frank Lampard uh going coming from a various serious joke to 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 immediate reality there um Jam you know Frank Lampard the greatest man to have ever lived in my eyes so I'm I'm quite happy but just just thoughts, feelings, you know, Lampard cares, Lampard matters, Lampard's the greatest man to, to have ever lived. Uh, he's back on a caretaker basis, just thoughts. Yeah, do you know what, I'm happy. Um, when Graham Potter got sacked, uh, it, it just, reality hit me at that moment where I just realised how flat and pessimistic I was about Chelsea. Not necessarily because they sacked Potter, because, I may, yeah, a change was needed, but just how we aren't going to get around this whole short-termism you know we're looking for longevity but it just hit me then how far we how far away we actually are from it so I was really flat pessimistic um, and it's the one thing that would bring back any optimism for me personally and I think a lot of the fan base have had a positive reaction to it of course it didn't work out a few years ago when he was in charge and he got sacked but you know we don't want a new manager coming in right here and now taking the slack of us continuing to lose games because no one can improve this team for the next eight or nine games, whatever it is. I'm convinced no one can do that because these players are at a point where their confidence is so low, every single aspect of confidence. So, you know, all the little things that add up to that total thing, 
it's all rubbish, all through the floor. You know, teams will employ coaches to get that extra 1% out of the different aspects to get them as close to 100% as possible. Every team we're coming up against gets that confidence boost because they smell blood and we lose it. We just go, oh, we've got another game. You can tell, you can see it in the players, they're drained. I think all of this constant change doesn't help. I think a lot of players are drained. But look, Lampard could be that one guy that you'd say would get, you know, a smile back on the majority of players' faces um, and just give us something to the end of the season. I mean, like I said, we don't want a new manager taking this as baggage into next season. We need that clean break, which will be the summer. And I think Lampard getting us there is absolutely fine. No one cares what happens now in the league other than getting relegated, which I really, 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 really want to say is highly unlikely, despite how unnervingly close we are. Um, that's not going to happen in my eyes. But look, obviously we've got the Champions League, but we're playing the best team in it, probably. Um, you know, at least in recent years, Real Madrid are unreal. They're inevitable. They're the champions. So it's not looking good. Why not get a smile on the face of the players, the fans, and just get it to the end of the season with someone that really knows what Chelsea is about? That's what I say. So I'm happy about it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and look, as I said, I think even we saw in fifteen sixteen when Hiddink came in and, you know, the rock improved a little bit, but we've still really struggled to, to win games. And I think it's just a case of when, when you're just gone in a season, there is not really any recovering it. Obviously, you know, names been mentioned, you know, Enrique maybe is someone who'd be interested to take over maybe now, but Nagelsmann, you know, seems to be the first choice and it seems suggested that he would want a, a break after leaving by not so long ago. Um Harry, Frank Lampard is back. Just thoughts on that and the fact that Chelsea are not... You, are you kind of happy that we're just going for caretaker approach and get get that new man in the summer? Just a fresh start means, although our chances in the Champions League maybe have, have lessened, even though I don't think whoever was in charge we'd have been in Real Madrid, to be brutally honest with you. It just means that they get a clean break and a, and a healthier, healthier space to, to start in. Yeah, I mean, I'm personally delighted um, with Lamps uh, coming back. He He's my favourite player of all time. I think he embodies everything that Chelsea is or should be and um, I think something I want to speak on a lot about is the lack of culture at the club I think we we we've lost what it means to be Chelsea we've lost that winning culture Um, there's lots of things you could probably put that down to I think um, you know the Abramovich era was very much sort of um, embodied that and but I think um, it's so important to bring back someone who understands what it means uh, to 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 win because we really don't at the moment none of the players have that you know that that drive to win at all costs it def- definitely doesn't seem like that from looking at their body language on the pitch um and in terms of you know thinking about it from less of a sentiment, uh, sentimental um approach but more of a, like a logical standpoint i do think it has logic to it as well i think Clearly, the ownership, the new ownership, made the wrong decision with Graham Potter. Um, we all knew that. It was slightly overdue, the sacking, in my humble opinion. Um, but he had to go. I think no one really can argue with that because we were going nowhere. We were arguably going in the opposite of direction. So keeping him, for me, wasn't an option. Um, obviously, Bruno sort of growl didn't want the job so keeping him until the end of the season would have been bizarre especially since he that was literally his first team sheet that he picked against Liverpool in his entire life um and so yeah I'm sure there are pedantic people online who can make the argument that um we could have found a a different caretaker manager who could have given us that slight 
extra chance of winning the Champions League. Um, but really, we're talking margins. And I, I'm not sure whether anyone can really say uh, hand on heart that any manager... I, I genuinely believe if you brought in Pep Guardiola, you'd probably have um, just as much chance yesterday of beating Wolves as Lampard did. Um, I'm talking about Wolves there, obviously. Perhaps a little bit different if you're talking about the Champions League where you've got that more, that extra time to prepare for it. But really, with this group of players and like Jam said, with their confidence on the floor, I just um, I think uh, it, it, Lamps coming in and just revitalising the fan base a little bit is just what we need um, while the ownership make their decision on the permanent manager. Yeah, Akash, I know. Just forward thought on Frank coming because also it means unlike in his time as a player and also first time round as a coach, we also will get, you know, come the end of the season, we'll also get the opportunity to say goodbye and thank you, which we've never really properly had before as well. Uh, so I, I said this, I said the same thing on a stream here in India as well. So there's no point asking me about my opinion on Frank Lampard, right? The man could come shoot me in the thigh and I'd probably think of some excuse. I'd probably try and justify that as well. I grew up idolizing the man. It's still the same for me and it's hard for me to have any rational viewpoint on this, but all I can say is, uh, for some fans at least, at least the fans that I talk to from India who don't have the same connect, right? They think of, they sort of view it as us writing off the rest of the season. And in the league, it makes sense. In the Champions League, it doesn't. And I can sort of see where they come from there as well. Maybe they thought if we had someone like Nagelsmann come in or, you know, NPK come in, in a knockout setup with the quality that we have in the squad, there might have been some chance of us maybe progressing to the semis. Personally, I don't think that happens because Real are so good and Ancelotti is so good in a knockout setup. But that that is a sentiment that a, a portion of the fan base has. Uh, but I think Jam and Harry are spot on. Uh, especially, you know, we look like 11 good players playing on the pitch and not one good team. And that, it's been that way for a really, really long time. And if we are going to give, you know, a new manager, we give him a squad which he can manage, which is around 24 to 25 people and not the current bloated squad that we have. And if Frank takes us to the end of the season, and personally for me, it's it's about the vibes, man. I, I can't lie. So just having him on the touchline, I was super gassed when their announcement came in. It was like, Potter's gone, I don't care. Uh, at least till the rest of the season gives us something to look forward to. But we do need to see something on the pitch as well. And yesterday was trash, man. And I've debated this with Harry multiple times, but Kovacic yesterday in the first half was hiding from the ball and I've never seen him do that. And it broke my heart. One of my favourite players doing that and especially the first game that Frank came back. Uh, super disappointed. I hope things improve. And Nick, I know your opinion on Kovacic as well. So, yeah, I, I still think there's a workable player there, but I don't know. Just anyway, we'll, we'll, I mean, we'll get on to that a bit later. Look, what I would just say on Frank is, and I, I know I speak for myself and I speak for a lot of people I've had this conversation with, that 1920, Frank's first team back was genuinely some of the most fun we have supporters we as supporters have had supporting Chelsea. Chelsea was so much fun under Frank. And I think part of that was also because there wasn't a huge amount of expectation on that season. We were just kind of going to see what happens. The vibes, the vibes were good, playing the youngsters. And again, this time around, you know, there's no pressure. As that season went on with Frank, there sort of became an expectation that we actually needed to get sort of full res this season. But the, the league is done. The league is gone. It is not salvageable. It has been beyond salvageable for seemingly forever. 90% of the games we're going to play under Frank are pretty meaningless in the grand scheme of things. So I can't get worked up. I'm not even really that annoyed about yesterday, despite how bad it was to watch. I'm really not that annoyed. And I'm just happy that I've got someone representing this club who I go, I like you. You give me some, give me reason to actually be relatively happy. Frank's, Frank returning has given me a reason to actually 
care somewhat more about these remaining league games than I did prior to it. Whereas before, I literally could not care less. But I was actually sort of somewhat excited for yesterday. Uh, and then reality hit quite early on. But no, this is still these are still these players, and this is this is where we are. But you know, the excitement's there. Buzz there, and look, Frank Lampard's leading a Chelsea side out of a Bernabeu. It's pretty cool. Like it could go disastrous, disastrous wrong, but the idea is pretty cool, right? So look, I, I'm happy he's back. I like the league season was done ages ago. I'll be brutally honest. For Champions League, that dream ended for me as soon as we got drawn against Real Madrid. As soon as we got drawn against Real Madrid, I kind of accepted it was it was over. Dortmund was a wonderful night, and you know I hope you know that that's basically the high point of the season and what the high point of the season will be. Um, but as soon as that draw got made and I saw we got Real Madrid, I thought no because. That, with a great respect to Borussia Dortmund, that is a huge step up from that tie. We need to basically be perfect, need to be something we've not been all season. And even if we were perfect, that still might not be enough because Real Madrid are Real Madrid. Um, so I kind of just accepted ex- accepted fate then and accepted, well, hey, look, we got to the quarterfinals for the third consecutive year in a row in the Champions League, which was something we'd not done prior to that for, for, for seven years or so. So it was it was, it was was nice there. And, and look, as I said, I kind of accepted that the league, the league was done ages ago. So I've just been, I'm just pure vibesing at this point. Nothing really matters. Just embrace the nihilism, baby. Um, yeah, just, just enjoy. Frank's in charge. Hopefully, we play some good stuff. Yes, Dave was pretty poor. Uh, he'd been there two and a bit days. Um, nothing really too, too, too crazy. But yeah, look, Frank's back. I'm happy. I'm gonna, you know, he's my hero. He's my favorite. He's my favorite player growing up. He means so much to me. He means so much to a lot of you. So, yeah, I'm happy. And I know, and again, I should reiterate, none of us, all of us here are aware of Frank Lampard's shortcomings as a manager. None of us think he is the Messiah. None of us think he's going to lead us to the Champions League and winning number three, right? None of us think he's like going to drastically change loads in terms of results or not. But when you kind of accept that the league doesn't matter, and I must reiterate people, it does not matter. It has not mattered for a long, long time. Then just try and in- enjoy what it is that we're going to get served up, and hopefully it's a bit better than yesterday, which we'll get onto in a bit. But now nah, Frank's back, I'm happy. I've got something to to afford to because I'll be honest, Bruno Chelsea in charge of Bruno Salter would just be like just been just felt awkward, right? It just it just would have felt awkward just going through to the end of the season just with with him in charge and with no want someone with no real connection to Chelsea, someone who didn't even want to really be doing the job, and it would just feel feel awkward. At least with Frank's here, I would rather be shit with Frank than shit with a manager or someone I have no connection with. It makes it a lot, lot, a lot more tolerable. So yeah, look, Frank's back. Uh, and yeah, that, that that's a nice thing. And hopefully we get some wins. And look, he's here. He's doing us a favour. Uh, you know, he's coming in and stepping in it in a pretty dire situation. Um, so look, always grateful for that. But yeah, it's Frank's back. It's, it's you know, I'm, I'm just happy. Uh, and I'm happy because, you know, I was gutted when it didn't work out the first time. My dream was to see him win something with us as manager. And while I think it's unlikely this time, that dream, I can still dream. For a little bit longer till till maybe the inevitable happens against Real Madrid. But hey, I'm just I'm just happy. And as I said, I know his shortcomings as a coach. I'm not expecting miracles. I'm not expecting anything too amazing. But I mean, yeah, I'm happy he's he's back in charge because I could, you know, watching him watching his teams can be quite fun. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Anyway, let's get on to yesterday. Chelsea lost to Wolves 1-0, which meant we've won four in our last 21 Premier League games. Again, kind of leading back to my early point. Why the league really doesn't matter and why it's beyond saving at this point. Because we are downright trash. Um, I believe we won XG again yesterday. Yay. Um, but it was really, really bad. Chelsea have scored 29 goals this season, only ever netting fewer at this stage of campaign. Twice before, 23 in the 1921-22 campaign and 16 in the 23-24 campaign. Going back 100 years, guys, basically 100 years. This is how bad it is. And Erling Haaland has now scored more Premier League goals than Chelsea this season after his brace v Southampton yesterday. Erling Haaland has scored more goals than us this season. I mean, Todd, just go by Erling at this point, mate. But um, it was really, really bad. Um. Harry, I'll just go to you on this. I mean, you, you posted something quite funny about Murphy's Law yesterday. So do you just want to sort of explain to, to the listener what that is? <laughs> yeah, I said that um, in a nutshell, Chelsea, uh, Chelsea's 2022-2023 season is Murphy's Law. And if you've watched the film Interstellar, you may you may uh, be familiar with this um, adage. Uh, and it basically means um, whatever can go wrong will go wrong and um i think the the extended version of that it is even even more apt for chelsea which is anything that can go wrong will go wrong and at the worst possible time um i mean that is just chelsea in a nutshell isn't it nick yeah no no agreed and look while we're recording this on on easter sunday you know where jesus is resurrected himself all those years ago Chelsea ain't rising at all, folks. We are as dead as dead as whatever. We are seriously, we are we are flat here. We are we Chelsea are not resurrecting themselves this season at all. Yeah, it was really, really poor. Akash, four of the back. I know Jab. I know Jab likes the four of back. But Akash, that watch about four of the back was disgusting in that first half. Christ, go to three of the back now, Frank. Go to three of the back, please, please. Right, because four four of the back. If we play four of the back of a burnabout, we will get killed. Yep, and the worst part of us playing four at the back is we don't have Bartio Shili, right? So it's Kukurella 1v1 versus Valverde, if he doesn't get arrested, that is. And that is one matchup I do not want to see. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Kukurella. I was a huge advocate for him coming to Chelsea, but uh, he is not Chilwell, right? A lot of people look at him through that lens. Chilwell is so much better in an attacking sense. He's so much better, uh, you know, breaking into the box. And after he came on yesterday, we were actually a little bit, you know, more fun to watch. Or, you know, tolerable is probably the better way to say it. And that matchup, I do not want to see. If Reese breaks forward, then that's Vinicius having fun on his flank. Uh, forehead the back is not a good idea. And just, you know, just to sort of say, I think Nick was saying that the league was done ages ago, right? Start of the season, Nick put up a status saying, you know, uh, Chelsea 15-16, you know, closer, you know, uh, closer in the mirror than you think. And this sort of clairvoyance, Nick, I am <laughs> probably going to ask you for the score of Chelsea versus Real before the match actually happens. And I have no idea how he saw this coming, but I thought that was being overtly negative, but spot on. This season could not have been worse. For context, I posted that after we lost 2-1 to Southampton under Thomas Tuchel, I believe, which was our second loss in the league at that point. 
I mean, Akash, I'll be honest, I've seen the story ship preseason, uh, moaning, Tuchel moaning. I've seen this before. We we didn't play well at the start. And then it just, I mean, uh, unlike 15-16, there was a bit of a resurgence at one point where we were all of a sudden back in the top four. Whereas 15-16, no, it just never got going. Um, but yeah, it was it was really bad. Um, Harry, obviously, you know, as per Chelsea, Wolves that Wolves score score a bit of a wonder goal, um, but yeah, it was it was just really poor. And, and from an attacking sense, it just looked like we just looked pretty clueless. Like I mean, I know I couldn't really see anything out there. It just sort of seemed like I think we mentioned earlier, sort of just eleven individuals playing out uh, out on the pitch. And it kind of seems like when we go into attacking areas, it would just be passing it off. You know, you take responsibility. I'm not going to take responsibility. You take you you X take responsibility here. And it was just it was just really really poor. Yeah, I'm. I've got to be honest. Like I, I'm feeling pretty disillusioned with the squad in general, and I have done for quite a long time now. Um, I remember looking at the starting eleven after the game and thinking, how many players in this side do I actually like? And I think I named like three: um, Enzo Fernandez. Of uh, I think he has actually been phenomenal. Like considering how bad we have been generally as a as a, an entity. Um, and and his stats have been pretty uh, astronomical as well. Um, if you go in for that sort of thing, uh, Wesley Fofana, I, I really like as a player. I think he, he's got a good future at the club. Slightly worried about his injury record. And um, Reese James. Apart from that, I'm I'm really struggling. I mean, I I do like Jao Felix, and I did want him at Chelsea. Um, I'm a bit split now after watching him. See, I know we you know we've had a terrible run under Graham Potter but I'm worried that he's not producing anything in terms of end product his decision making when he gets to that final third is a bit lackluster and um, I've got this nagging doubt in my mind that perhaps Simeone you know knows that you know I kind of trust Simeone given the fact that he he has done tremendous things with Atletico Madrid and I, I'm just worried that maybe Jeff Felix flatters to deceive. Um, you know, he he's incredible on the ball, has some brilliant touch touches and some great passes occasionally. But um, yeah, so I'm sort of I'm a bit um, lukewarm on Felix. And I, I, you know, we've obviously got what nine games left the season. Is that right? Um, so there's still some time for hope for him to sort of pull things back. And I think I, I genuinely do believe he can under Lampard, but whether we should fork out 80 million pounds or whatever, you know, he's going to cost, I, I'm not sure. And then the rest of the team, I mean, crikey, like, like um, Akash mentioned, I, I haven't, I've sort of gone full circle on Kovacic because I used to really not like him. And I didn't, I was like, what does he, does he do? And then under Tuchel, I thought he was, superb one of our best players and one of the most well uh most improved players as well um but now i'm just again i just don't understand what his role is um i don't know what he offers um he can occasionally dribble out of a press very well um but apart from that i i'm i'm struggling and um kai havertz i mean god i used to chant this guy's praises all the time um, I I loved him at Leverkusen, and when we got him, I thought we had signed like a genuinely like the next possible best player in the world. I really did at the time, um, and every time I sort of think that Kai is going to do something, 
he then puts in a dreadful performance where he looks completely disinterested. Um, and I, I'm worried. I, I, I think, I mean, I think we could probably sell him in, in summer, but um, whether we'll get anywhere near as much as we had hoped, because he, the, the idea at the time was even if it doesn't work out, we'll be able to sell him for much more than we got him for because we bought him in the pandemic when, when we, had that transfer ban and got got a leg up on pretty much all of our rivals in the transfer market because they all couldn't afford it and we were just there spending money on Timo Werner and Kai Havertz. Um, anyway, and then I'm just, you know, you've got those new signings, Kalido Kulabali and um, Mark Kukurea and I, I Kukurea at the start. Um, I always had um, some question marks over Kulabali. I I didn't know whether he had this reputation. Um, that could translate well to the Premier League from the Serie A. Um, so I, so I, I, but then again, I haven't really watched. I didn't really watch him in Serie A. So I just went off of what other people were saying, like, oh, this guy's phenomenal defender. I haven't really seen that. I don't think we've seen enough leadership from him or cool level head headedness like uh, you get from Thiago Silva. Kepa, less said the better. I think you know how I feel about him. Uh, and uh, Sterling. Now, Jam, I've got to, I've got to give it to you, mate. You're right, you're right about him. I just, I, I really thought we were signing someone who was an experienced head and just would be reliably consistent. But he's been quite the opposite. Um, whether you can blame him for that, you know, it's it's very hard to evaluate evaluate all these players that I've just gone through. I've realised, sorry, I've gone through the entire team yesterday, but it's very hard to evaluate them because of how poor Chelsea have been. And it is anomalous. You know, I feel like, can you really judge anyone on this plane? But I have to give it to you, Jam. Um, Sterling really hasn't uh, hasn't been that impressive. Yeah, Harry. Um, oh, hang on, Jam. I'll just quickly jump in. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll kind of just dissect Harry, because Harry, I think I agree with you on quite a bit there. Joao Felix, I've kind of mentioned this before. I think I mentioned it with Tonko last week. I think the idea of Joao Felix is better than the reality itself. I think Joao Felix, you put him in a Chelsea team where everything is kind of perfect, then I think you've got a player. I think he could be Chelsea's Eden Hazard. But Eden Hazard had Matic, had Cesc, had Costa around him. Felix does not have that. And it's really tough. And one of the things that frustrates me, because Jam, I know you and I sort of in, in one of our group chats had a bit of a disagreement about his performance for Liverpool, said... I got frustrated with him because he does the initial bits well against Liverpool, i.e., you know, getting making the position chance for himself, which, you know, in something is wor- is praiseworthy. But then he makes then he takes too long and the chance goes and he doesn't take it. And there's a moment against Liverpool. He goes on a really nice solo dribble. You know, he gets you up, but then he does takes one takes on one man too many and loses it. Joao Felix is a really fun player to watch if you take out the, and I've said it before and it's quite damn bit, Joao Felix is a really fun player to watch if you take out the basic principles of football are to score goals and win matches. Like, if you take away all that surface stuff, I just literally just watched him play for like 90 minutes. Like, you go, oh, he's he's fun. But it's not, it doesn't lead to enough. Like, I think fair play to him. He he eventually got himself involved. I thought he was pretty anonymous that first half, but he got himself involved in the last few minutes of that first half yesterday. But he was... I like him, and I think there's a world where he can he can do well at Chelsea. But it just feels like it, the setting needs to be perfect, and I'm not sure when that setting is going to be perfect and how long we can go. Which is why, if the option was for another loan for him, then that, that's probably the route I would go down for. Harry Onkovic, like you, I've kind of gone full circle on him basically. 
like when that first season when people remember it in 1819 i genuinely remember watching this guy get subbed on subbed off the 60th minute mark for ross barkley and i'm genuinely just thinking like this is just a season i'm sorry there is literally nothing in this guy at all like he just plays football for 60 minutes does a few nice like flicks or whatever but there's really not much substance to his game right and then 19 we signed him permanently i'm like that's okay and then nineteen twenty under Frank, he's he's quite good, right? I think that season gets greatly blown out of proportion by a lot of people. I don't think that season is anywhere near as good as people say it is, but he's still good. He's still one of Chelsea's better performing players. Twenty twenty one, he then kind of reverts back to type, and I think he comes more of a bench player with the re- resurgence of Jorginho and that Kante Jorginho duo and Kovacic's best position is firmly coming on the last 10, 15 minutes finishing games, and his role diminishes. I'm thinking that's okay. And then last season is the best version we see of Kovacic, in my opinion, right? How that's what under Tuchel, that's the best version we see. That's streets clear of 1920, such a better yep. version. He adds goals and assists to his game, and I know it's not just about goals and assists, but he actually adds some end product to his game, and he's good. And I'm thinking you have been one of Chelsea's best players this season. I really like what I see, but then again, this season we're back to back to old Kovacic, and I know there's maybe some reasons, injuries. Etc. But uh, this is this is, I guess, Harry. My problem with Kovacic is, I don't know what Kovacic I'm going to get. I think he can, on his day can be really good. I don't have any doubts about him performing midweek in the Champions League against Real Madrid. To be honest, because I think I can True. trust him in that environment. But I'm just so torn on him, and he's not one of those players. I'm going. I've immediately got to get out the door. But he's not one of those players. I'm desperately trying to cling on to if I'm Chelsea. I'm not desperate to to keep hold of him. Ty Havertz up top. I just. I'm also got confidence that he'll show up midweek because it's for Champions League. I knew he'd show up in that second leg against Borussia Dortmund because he takes big games and big moments, which is frustrating because he doesn't do it enough in the Premier League. Um, I think I do not know if he will be here. If not, I think again, if an option came in for Kyavitz, I would happily sell him. I've been we've watched this player for three or four years, not really develop. We can't say we've not given him the chances. I know maybe people go, oh, you not played him in a position best suited to him or whatever. Yeah, I kind of hear that, but I'm just watching this player and I'm just thinking like you don't offer anywhere near enough. And you like Joao Felix, almost luxury players, but we need a whole team around and we can't have too many luxury players. Sterling is Sterling. Uh, it's been a difficult season for him. Um, I'm kind of wary of being too judgmental because I want to give a player in general more than a season before I judge them. He's had moments. Um, I don't think all this upheaval necessarily would have helped him again you think just under Guardiola just plug in and play pretty simple under Chelsea's had to do four different instructions etc but yeah he's not been great I mean Cucurella at left back is just yesterday he's just disappoints me because I was big on Cucurella prior to him coming I saw we'd done a Brian last year and I thought same it's a perfect time to move on Marcus Alonso and get Cucurella competing with Ben Chilwell but that has just not come to the fore and I think we're now looking at reality is You've got Ian Matson, who's done had a great season on loan at Burnley. And you're just thinking, and I know it's Burnley, it's championship, etc. But he's done really well there. Can he make the step up and compete with Ben Chilwell? Because there comes a point where, well, I don't think there's a world we can keep Cucurella, Chilwell and Matson in the summer. And maybe it's brutal because I know I've just said I don't really want to rough play off the season. But with Cucurella, I'm genuinely like struggling to see like how he works at Chelsea. His best role is basically a left centre-back in the Champions League games. Um, left back in the Premier League, not it. Left wing back in the Premier League, not it. Left centre back in the Premier League, not it. It's been really difficult. I know there's been off field stuff as for him as well to deal with this season, but it's just I sh- don't know. We could credit. He's a good player, but it's just not work for him at Chelsea. Yeah, it's tough. Kula Bali just 
he's a decent play role to play in Europe. Giving him a four or five year deal at age thirty one was absolutely bizarre from the new ownership. Giving him the new wages, giving him the wages they did was absolutely bizarre too. We basically signed a player we thought he was five years ago. He's not that. Um, as Harry said, yeah, Fafana, Reese, and and Enzo are basically the only three players I really liked in my starting eleven yesterday. And Conor Gallagher tries. I can never fault that guy's effort, but like I don't think he's good enough to be starting games for Chelsea, um, which is a great shame. He's a squad player, sure, you know, maybe one of those players he could play in the cups, etc. Finisher in certain situations, but look, I you know I I don't want to really hammer Conor because he was probably one of the players like I couldn't really criticize their attitude yesterday out on that pitch when I think a lot of them were, but I just don't think he's really. Good enough. And as I said before, like with Kepi, you can throw all these amazing stats at me about, you know, his save percentage this season or whatever. You can throw all these numbers at me. He's conceded since what, August 2018 or 2019 since his debut. Only David Rio's got worse percentage of conceding shots from outside the box. Again, how like I can give you so many examples of goals I think he can do better this season. Like, fair play. He's probably having one of his better seasons in a Chelsea shirt. And he's, you know, I think ultimately he's probably a fairly decent guy, but like, no, you know, again, would happily see go. It's really, really tough because I, I kind of think like, Harry, this is a brutality. This squad feels worse than when Frank Lampard left in, in when he left it in twenty beginning of, of 2021, right? Like, look, at he must, it must, honestly, if I'm trying to frustrate me, he goes, he comes back and he sees Kai Havertz has not kicked on really since Frank, since he, Frank, left the club. Povacic has sort of just reverted back to type since, you know, since he's come back. It must, like, it just must be so frustrating or difficult for him as well because, you know, these players, yeah, none of them are just really improved. But, but Jam, I know, you know, didn't watch football's game yesterday, but just thoughts on, on those squad of players I named, like, you know, how many you sort of really are happy to sort of see here at Chelsea next season? You know what? I'm I'm going to come at this from a different angle. I did put up a tweet yesterday with a load of players that I wanted to get rid of. And those were just the players in the squad this season. So it was ignoring the players on loan and things like that. Um, there's a lot of players on there. And a lot of them are actually players that have been here for some time. Now, the reason I was so flat and deflated when Potter got sacked was not because of him. I said it earlier, but it wasn't because of him. But it was because of the idea that we're so far away from longevity. Chelsea for the last five years has been full of chaos, constant change, constant unrest, trending in the media, players trending in the media, managers, new managers, you know, swapping and changing formations. That whole thing is draining. It's draining for supporters. But what about the actual staff members in the team, right? The players and the coaches, whoever's still there, seeing overseeing this change. It is so hard to get up and go, oh, we have to begin again. Here we go again. Do you know, it's really, really hard. And I just think some of these players, like I did put Kovacic on that list. I really rate him as a footballer, but I just wonder if he has, or not just him, but players like him that have been here through that change, have got the mental capacity to start again. Because it's a new era. You know, we've had an absolute howler this season. Do those players have the ability to pick themselves up? I don't think so. I need to see wholesale changes. You know, your Kai Havertz is off you go. But bye-bye. I just don't think they've got it in them to really hit their potential here. And that might not be their fault. I put Sterling on that list. Is Does he want to be in this sort of building project at this point in his career? I don't think it, he would have come if he thought it was where it is. Fair play to him. I, I criticise him all the time. But 
if he would have gone to a stable, more established team, he'd be doing a hell of a lot better. And I wonder if he really wants to be a part of this. And that's not his fault. I'm not saying that in a bad way. I'm just questioning that, you know, deep down. Those kind of players, I just think it's too much for them. I just think we need wholesale changes, new energy. You know, you mentioned Conor Gallagher with his mentality. I rate his mentality. I rate his work ethic. I rate his work rate. But, yeah, maybe there. But we need more players that are kind of on his wavelength. Do you know what I mean? This is my opportunity. I'm at Chelsea Football Club. We've got nothing to lose because last season or this season was terrible. Looking for, I can't wait for the new season. We need players like that that are hungry. Do you know what I mean? We miss a lot of leaders. We miss a lot of leaders. I go back on, on that same tweet. I quoted, you know, the, the old Chelsea spine, Drogba, Lampard, Balak, Essien, Terry, uh, Czech, Ashley Cole, Vanovic, all of these guys, right? We were still going through constant change back then. I know that the league has changed. Our rivals have got longevity and are reaping the awards of that or the benefits of that, sorry. But those players could bounce back. They could. They just had it up here. They had that fear factor about them. Players would look at them and think, oh my God, I'm still up against Drogba. I'm still up against Balak. Even the doesn't matter what our form was. They just had that about them. None of our players at the moment have that about them. None. None at all. Um, you know, maybe Thiago Silva. Enzo will probably get that soon. But I just uh, Kante, yeah. The, you know, these are maybe three players that have that. Maybe Reese James four. Everyone else is just I just see the opposition coming up against them and going, I smell blood. So I will be more than happy to see the majority of these guys go. I know. That might not be realistic, but that's what I would love to do. Use that money elsewhere. I think our squad's too big as it is. Got loads of players online. Get rid, get rid, get rid, get rid. Use that money wisely with the new manager. Let's start again. That's what I say. Yeah, and again, ultimately, you got a lot of these players have been at Chelsea. Some of these players have been at Chelsea four or five years. They've undergone a lot of managers, and some are at different points in their careers. I mean, Mateo Kovacic in that team yesterday is probably one of the older players in that starting lineup, and again it's not not a dig at him but he's been at Chelsea four or five years he's got probably what one last big contract left in his career and he's probably thinking like you know I've been at Chelsea here I've reached the pinnacle right I've achieved a pinnacle I've actually won a Champions League what more have I got to do here what is there worth it and I kind of and I kind of get that get that man so Akash you know is one of the, the biggest Mateo Kovacic supporters out there you know go 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 to even this out a bit because you know Harry and I have been fairly down on on cover and there's no doubt he's he's had a really poor season but in general just also you know looking at those those names we listed yesterday you're just thoughts on the current squad uh so i can start with cover it, it, it's something i've argued with harry i think as well multiple times on twitter but uh looking at yesterday's performance i can see where he comes from right and i totally get all the criticism that he gets he lets runners in behind he loses them from time to time uh in the final third he's not the best in the world and that's putting it lightly but last season, you saw Tuchel gave him a structure and movement in front of him. So he had, uh, you know, multiple people interchanging. He had people making off the ball runs. And, uh, Ko, you know, Kovacic playing those balls from a deep-lying playmaker role was really, really fun to watch for me. And I remember uh, Jam posting a tweet where he said if Kova, you know, dribbled in the rain, you know, there wouldn't be a drop of snow on him. I think something along those lines. I, my memory is fucked up from all the wheat. Please, uh, bear with me. And, <laughs> Do you want me to say it again? Yeah, go for it, go for it. Kovacic could drivel through a monsoon without getting wet. That was it. Nice. <laughs> uh, pardon pardon my bad memory. So, a player who has that ceiling, right? And that that's what he can bring on a game. He can absolutely, absolutely boss it from the middle. And uh, uh, CFC Central, good friend of ours, says the exact same. 
he is so frustrated by a player with so much talent not uh, you know putting his mark on games and if he leaves i have no complaints because i think he's done what umtiti did to his career he went into the world cup with a really bad knee i think he played out of you know out of his limits and he's messed you know he's fucked his knee up and if he leaves and if he's a player on the decline i i can live with that and considering that we're talking about bringing people like romeo lavia in and even though southampton lost lost 4-1 yesterday i think he was one of the best players on the pitch yesterday always up for a tackle always showing for the ball and i love love to see that in a midfielder and if the midfield goes through an entire rebuild if we can still keep kante totally fine with that kulivali i was one of his biggest fans from when he was in napoli so i i was shouting for us to sign him players and he finally did come here and uh, i think uh, the space jam you know uh, loss of powers has happened to him he's still very neat on the ball he can play i think one of the few times he broke into the box yesterday was kulivali threading a ball through to felix right he still has that in his locker but he is 31 years old but he's 25 in his mind he's charging people he's pressing people on the halfway line and he gets turned and that's it he he's not there's not a chance in hell that he's recovering uh, and we've given him a five year contract so if he can make that center center back position his own but learn from thiago silva on how to tone things down a bit i think there's still a workable player there kukurella was the entire build up of brighton on the left hand side he's brought none of that to chelsea I think a couple of games we've seen him be really proactive with his pressing but like you know nick mentioned it's like we've brought in a left center back just for the champions league he is not replicating those performances in the league and considering that we have levi colwell coming in and i'm so so impressed by the guy he's so young but so neat on the ball uh, does not let runners in behind stick so close to his man and you know really mature player for his age i think colwell and matson coming in is something we'll look at but i'm hoping kukurella can find a place in the squad but may- maybe it's unlikely i'm a huge fan of the guy but i hope it works out and i think uh, my view of felix is a little uh, different to what you guys just mentioned totally agree with all the criticism as well but i think his best games that i've seen are when he has that griezmann kind of role so i think versus switzerland every second ball went through him he was so involved with play and i i just don't think he's on the same wavelength as other attackers i think yesterday in the first half you saw him trying to get those return balls from kai play those one twos and then work their way out of pressure but uh, and you know i think me and the harry were you know people blowing kai's trumpet the most when he did come to chelsea we were, i think we were posting threads almost every week saying kai is going to come good this is just a bad phase and we've been saying that for four years now we've seen nothing apart from let's say a couple of big game performances so i think for sure this squad like jam rightly mentioned needs a complete gut and reset and i'm hoping that someone like enrique or nagelsman come in and then see through the process i've been rooting for zidane but i don't think that happens and even if he does it's it's like a two year or three year thing at max if enrique or nagelsman can come in and effectively rebuild us from the ground up uh, all for it means yeah and what i should say on joao felix is despite you know the criticism and frustration i have in him but it's partly because i just do see how much of a fun wonderful player he is and in general he's been the best attacker i think at chelsea since he has come in in terms of performance I, i can't as all as much as the criticism i have for him in general like him having a bad game is still there's still moments i can still talk about in general when i'm talking about his performance but yeah yesterday just quick because i realized we died from game it was really poor first half we were a bit of a shambles i thought defensively you know before back clearly had his issues we didn't look an issue defensively second half but that was because wolves basically just sat back and said you come you come on to us and try you know try and break us down it was just frustrating it was poor Yeah, it was just great. It was just one of the less interesting games to watch this season and I granted there's been a lot of very uninteresting games, but that was 
I mean, unlike Aston Villa, where we actually were creating chances and I thought, you know, there's an unlikely chance we could score. Like yesterday, just never felt, I felt yesterday, as soon as Mateus Nunez scored that goal to put Wolves one love, you could have just turned your TV off because you knew what was what was going to happen. You knew what was was coming next and Chelsea sort of huffed and puffed a bit. I thought Ben Chilwell coming on provided a little bit of life to that side. Um, but there was not really much. Aubameyang came on. That was, that was just, that. it just sums up the season. A player that Frank Lampard reportedly wanted the first time around. So we'll see how that works out in, in the Premier League. Moving forward, Pulisic comes on for Habits, gets fouled a bit, does some nice, does the odd nice moments. It's just really strange. This, in general, the fact that we're like, I'm really strong to find anything really to talk about for this game. I don't remember Kep having to really make any any saves. I just remember Wolves scoring like a really nice goal uh, that, that was annoying. Um, yeah, there's really very little to talk about that I think, game. Oh, go on, Harry. I think it would probably be balanced of us to, um, you know, as as much as we are sort of acolytes of Frank Lampard and we... Boo! Love... He's perfect, Harry. He can do no wrong. What are you talking about? <laughs> we love and adore the man and um, I will never change from that viewpoint. I will not back down. I I, I love the man, but I... Um, if you if you follow me, you know that I don't think anyone is infallible. That applied to Tuchel, who I also loved as well. Um, but I I think it it sh- it said to me that Frank hadn't really been watching Chelsea over the past few weeks, or where it felt like that because I personally think that this season our best performances, if we have had any, have come when we've had three at the back, which is yeah. quite surprising when you think about our squad now. Um, you would have thought we could have moved away from three at the back, but we can't, apparently. Um, and so I was surprised that he didn't go down that route. And I was surprised he played Kai Havertz because Kai has been in incredibly bad form for quite a while now. Um, I didn't think... I. I didn't think that Lampard particularly loved playing him, especially as a as a forward um, while he was, you know, in, in, in his previous tenure. Um, and and I do think that is a small point to make is that I, you know, I did big up Kai Havertz. Me, me and Akash did on the basis that I think we felt that he should be playing deeper. It's strange how we've had all these managers and they've all played him up front um, for most of his Chelsea career. I think that's a real shame and quite sad. And I don't think there's enough time to change that. But um, yeah, I th- I think just the way he set up yesterday was a bit strange. I, I don't think that you can play this Chelsea team four at the back without a quintessential defensive midfielder, which all four of us have been crying for, for like literally five years. It's, it's insane how we don't have um, a quintessential defensive midfielder, you know, a sitting six, um, someone like Declan Rice, dare I mention his name or, or Romeo Lavia, you know, it it's missing um, so badly since Matic. And um, so every time you play four at the back without, without one of those, um, you're you're taking huge risks, and I also think it's to the detriment of Enzo Fernandez. Personally, for me, Enzo's best position is as an eight, um, and I think on, on the left side of of um, the left central midfielder, um, where he can get into those pockets in between the lines and play those four passes. I think it's really um, a, a big shame that we're playing our most expensive player of all time in a position that doesn't really um he he can do it but it doesn't really make the most out of him 
Um, but yeah, just talk a little bit more on the game. I mean, I agree with you, Nick. There's not a lot to be said. It was a wonder goal. I, you know, I'm one of Kepa's biggest critics, but I've watched it back time and time again. I think he maybe could have got a bit closer, but I, I don't think he, he can be blamed for that at all. I think it was an absolutely beautiful goal. Um, I think it was the first time Matias uh, Nunez had scored as well for Wolves, which is just classic. Um, Chelsea just love to hand out goals to uh, people who haven't scored before, or haven't scored in a very long time, don't we? Yeah, no, indeed. And look, I said, you mentioned for back four. Also thinking midfield free of Kovacic, Fernandez, and Gallagher is not going to give you protection in front of, of that back four. <laughs> but though all those players have their, their great skills and their great strengths, but in front of a back four, there is not going to be really that that protection bit that yeah. you need and ultimately I think maybe was part of a it's tough because I think you can't also play free at the back really without because I think also there was a mind right that was in mind of Madrid midweek right because Kante was not exactly. involved at all and that kind of made sense that made perfect sense to me he played 68 minutes against Liverpool at max I want him getting maybe 20 30 minutes off the bench against Wolves but I'm fine with him being left out completely and I think you know Chilwell's left on bench he played you know quite a bit recently and I think it's probably a sense of, of managing him because he had he's had his injury issues and I think when you take Chilwell out it makes it quite tough to sort of maybe play that back three when you've also got no Thiago Silva I guess the question is you know because then you've got Kukurella left wing back who do you sort of play as that left centre back because you because Wes and Trevor sort of more those right-sided oh. centre backs aren't they so I guess maybe you move Koulibaly to, to the left centre back potentially which he's struggled with a bit you put Trevor in the centre and Fafana right or something like that but there's not an ideal situation so Benoit Badia-Shield again which again are we just resting him you know to after the Champions League because again is there a mind trying to get as defensive team in place for the Champions League he is the glaring omission but is making very little sense and we'll get on to the Champions League squad. Again, it's easy, it's so easy to say in hindsight, because I don't think many of us would have said it at the time, but picking Mudrick over Badiashide from the Champions League squad just looks an absolutely horrendous decision in, in hindsight. Um, but but yeah, yeah, look, as I said, yesterday was was not perfect. They'll be, you know, we know the limitations of Frank. It was, yeah, it was it was not great. And it was one of the, the worst at Chelsea performances this season. But he's Frank Lampard. He gets it. He cares. He's the greatest man to have ever lived. So we're just going to be swiftly moving on to, to, to Real Madrid, where we're just going to, I guess, look ahead. This is where the portal finish. Look ahead. And I guess we'll just pick a team for this game. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Real Madrid lost to Villarreal yesterday. You know, um, that doesn't really matter. Interestingly, since the Champions League draw has been made, Chelsea played five matches. We've won one, drawn two, lost two, and three different people have taken charge of those five games. So we've got Real Madrid right where we want them. We have confused the shit out of them. Unfortunately, I think we've also got ourselves right where Real Madrid won us, but that's besides the point. Uh, I'll just stop. We'll, we'll pick a team first, I guess, and then we'll just go into, you know, just discussing the game. In goal, I'd literally just say... I honestly don't care if it's between Kepa or Mendy, but I'm presuming it will be Kepa. And so we just saying Kepa, guys, even I know Harry's just started thinking, but, but it's reality, right? I don't think Mendy's going to start. And Kepa did not, didn't, Kepa's distribution was awful yesterday. I didn't even mention that. For a man who's basically lauded for some of his distribution, that was absolutely woeful yesterday. Um, but I can't really fault him for the goal. We'll have him in goal. 
Frank Lampard is playing a back three, I hope, because he is he is an intelligent man and I'm I'm pretty and I'd be shocked if he's not playing a back three. Frank, please play a back three, or else if it's a back four, just hide behind your sofas for, for 90 minutes on, on Wednesday night, I think. So it's a back three. I'm pre- we presume Thiago Silva's still not fit, uh, which would which would suck. Is it the back three of Bafana, Koulibaly, and Kukurella, the centre backs jam? Is that is that what we're going with? I know Kukurella, you know, left centre back thing is not ideal, but you know, Dortmund is arguably his best performance in a Chelsea shirt was in that left centre back role. We're happy with that back three. I'm not happy with it, but what what's the alternative? Like what else can we do? Um yeah, I I'll have to say that would be it. Unless anyone else has got any suggestions. So, what was it? Kalidu, Kulabali, Fafana. And Kukurella as your centre back. And Kukurella. Could you do Trevor Chaloba right centre back, Kalidu in the middle? No, that's not going to work, is it? Because that's the problem is our best left centre back is Badia Shield, in my opinion. Um, yeah. Unless unless Kulabali can play left centre back, but I think his best um, performances in the, in the yeah. Chelsea shirt have come at centre centre back. Um, so yeah, I think you're probably right, Nick. Are we picking a lineup that is a predicted one, or we're one going that what we, we would go with? Because I don't know what Frank's thinking is. He's been here. He's been in one game. He's picked Conor Gallagher in his first game, Harry. So it's pointless trying to predict what he's going to think. Um, yeah, but we'll see. It's not a slant on Conor Gallagher, but I completely get his merits. Um, <laughs> sorry, I just don't want to be accused of bashing him too much, even though we've not been the most complimentary to him this podcast episode. So Akash, we're happy about back three. Wing backs are kind of standard. Reese James, Ben Chilwell, we're all happy there. Do we play two or do we play three in midfield? Do we go Enzo Fernandez? Because I think N'Golo Kante has to start and I think Enzo Fernandez starts. The question is, do we play Mateo Kovacic in there as well? Or do we do we, do we we play with three up top? Jam, do we do we pack the midfield? Do we go three in there? Pack it out. Have you seen Madrid's midfield? Pack it out. Spoil it. Just spoil it. That's all we have to do. This is the yeah. away game. This is the I know, away game. Exactly. The away goals obviously don't count anymore, but... We could get absolutely thumped if we're not careful. If Modric has got space, we're finished. Kroos even. If he gets space, we're finished. I don't know who else they're playing there. Valverde maybe? If he gets space, Another we're level. finished. So, you know, we, we need to really, really, really marshal that midfield. It needs to be lockdown. It needs to be a war zone in there. Trenches. That's what it is. Think COD. That is it. I'm just. I've just realised we're basically going to end up picking basically the team almost played Liverpool. I reckon at this point, similar, similar setup to that. So, Harry, we agreed. Harry Akash, we agreed. Kovacic, Fernandez, Kante, midfield free. Yeah. Yes. Not not, not going to go Liverpool. I'm not being unkind to the player, but I, I don't rate him too much, man. No, he, I don't think he's starting, and I think he starts yesterday because Kante is not available, and I think Conor Gallagher out of that midfield free is probably the closest you get to Kante in terms of the the work rate and energy, etc. Yeah. So Do you I know think what. Sorry, sorry. And I think Gallagher off the bench for Kante, 70th minute, baby. Oh, there we go. Yeah. I'm not sure Kante gets through 90 minutes, but we'll see. Do you know what? Um, one suggestion, if he's fit now, I don't know where he's been, but Zachariah, could he could he come into that? He's basically not played a game of football for ages. But sure, he's on the bench because Champions League, you've got a big bench because you've got two goalkeepers <laughs> on your bench in the Champions League and you've got a bigger bench. So, yeah. I think uh, he can I, do I'm, I'm with Jam. Um, personally, if he is... You know, if if we're not talking about the team that we're predicting, I don't because I don't think Lamps is going to pick Sakaria or however you pronounce his name. But um, I I would personally go with him because I agree that we need to go there, like really put up the shutters as much as we possibly can. And for that reason, by the way, I'd have Mendy in goal. Full disclaimer: instead of Kepa, I, I just do not care. 
uh, do not care. Um, you pick the better shot stopper. And Mendy has heritage in this competition. Remember that. Um, so, yeah, I, I would personally go Enzo, Kante, Zakaria rather than okay. Kovacic. Sorry, okay. Akash. Um, and then, but, but, but Kovacic, then again, can be incredible in these matches. Yeah. So. What I would say is Zakaria's basically not started or played any meaningful for a long time. So I think a start is asking a bit much of him. I get the Zakaria shot. the last game. I think he had a really good game versus City, right? I think, was it in the Champions League or was it versus City? I think he had a really neat game in the central midfield. It was against City in one of the cups. I remember that. And it just disappeared post that. So. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I'll say Kovacic as well, because I think we also, out of that midfield, again, I know you've got the end, what Enzo can bring. Kovacic as well has his usefulness. Um, so that's from feel free. Obviously, there's no mixed amount of Ed Boys that's still out injured. Um, front two, is it is it's a simple case of Joao Felix and Kai Havertz up top, folks? It's not the most inspiring, but I mean... That's all we've got, because Aubameyang ain't in the Champions League squad. Not that I really wanted to be starting this game. I'm not sure I want Raheem Sterling starting this just yet. I mean, yes, David Zivor's first start since coming back from injury. Chat, you can't see this. Chat is literally just, no, 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 shaking his hands like, no, absolutely not. So are we in grieving? Can I have a Joao Felix up top, folks? No. No. I'm going to, I've just had a look. I am. I'm going to say Mudrick. Look, he's not being great, let's face it, but... He has an incredible man of the match performance. He got applauded off the pitch by the Real Madrid fans. This is his chance. And if we could, if we could just sit tight, sit back, and break away, Fernando Torres type goal. I can see it now. <laughs> I'm dreaming. I'm really dreaming here, guys. Madrid and Fe- Felix. For those, up, by the way, top. for those who like who are on Twitter, if anyone's aware of Becky, she's literally got Madrid's like her AVI's Madrid rounding Courtois. She's got she's stuck <laughs> Madrid Madrid and Courtois face on Torres and Valdez. Um, so that would be that would be wonderful, wonderful scenes. I get the shot, Harry. I mean, also again, we talk about it. Carvajal got absolutely rinsed. Well, I've watched, you know, that clip. Yeah, playing Spain were playing Scotland in the international break. And granted, it was, I think it was Tierney at left back, whatever. But Carvajal got rinsed. So I, I do sort of get the shout for, for pacing behind. Um, Jam, are you are you going with Harry? Are you are you going rogue and saying Madrid starts up top? Or are you just going playing safe and boring and saying it's Kai and Joao up top? No, no. Do you know what? I like that shout. Um, I, I've had enough of Havertz. I've, I've had, what's he going to do? Okay. Yeah, this it's a competition. Big game jam. Yeah, it's he, a big game jam. You score. I, you score I know. Now. This game, obviously, he he seems to step it up in this competition. But if you can't do anything in Wolverhampton, what are you going to do in Madrid? Wolverhampton, you know, these guys are trying to avoid relegation, and then we're going to Madrid. Then we expecting anything from him? He can't hold up the ball. He can't dribble whilst running. By the way, I've noticed this with him. Have you actually seen him? I don't know what's happened there, but he literally cannot run fast and dribble. It doesn't happen. Um. I just think he's going to get eaten alive by those centre backs. Uh, what well, Rudiger against Hype Havertz? Oh, Jesus Christ! Put pace, put pace, put absolute outrageous pace. Yes, it's going to be an inc- incredibly raw performance from Madrid, but I think we're better off doing that and then subbing Havertz on if we have to. I really do. Just go and scare the shit out of them and make them think about us rather than them thinking, "Oh, we can ignore Felix, uh, Felix, and uh, and Havertz because we could just press the hell out of Chelsea." Just put it right up. But if we put Mudrick on there and play one ball early on and just scare the life out of them, it might just give us another dynamic. I think I'd be up for that, personally. Completely agree. Completely agree. And and you have to remember last week that Kai Havertz had an absolute shocker against Liverpool. That was a big game, you know? Okay. Both very mediocre versions of those clubs. 
but it was a big game nonetheless and he was horrific um i i just don't think he's warranted a starting place in the lineup whatsoever and um Mudrick has qualities and i i think you know he he has high ambitions um i think he's got a lot more drive in his game uh, and and determination um and we haven't spoken about this enough so you have to get me again again uh, get me on again nick but i want to talk about the culture at the club which is severely lacking and i think Mudrick is closer to being to the Chelsea culture that we want than than um, Kai Havertz. I think that's spot the... on. Spot on. Well, Akash, are you are you going with Mudrick and Felix up top then? Or have you have you been swayed or are you going with Kai or have you got a rogue shout? Are you going to go <laughs> Sterling false nine? <laughs> Pretty left field. I'm going with Felix and Pulisic. Pulisic has history against Real Madrid in the in the Champions League. Play one ball over the top, Enzo Fernandez or Koulibaly. Get Pulisic in behind. Hopefully, he doesn't fall over his feet and scores. And I've debated with multiple people. I think there's a great player in there, but he's been missing for three years. So, this is Pulisic's last dance, so to speak. So. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, and I'm just going to say, if it ain't broke, don't, you know, if it ain't... Then whatever, uh, have it up top for me, just because, just because it'll, <laughs> just because, just fuck it. Have it just, have it just starting up top. If it ain't broke, <laughs> it is broke. <laughs> I know. I read that sounds make you bad. I realize it's basically very broken. He's, he's basically just described himself as insane. By yes. The way. Yes, right. indeed. Indeed. <laughs> But it's a big game, so Kai Havertz is going to do something. It just happens. It's for Champions League. I don't make the rules, guys. Kai Havertz and the Champions League will show up. Uh, Havertz and Felix for me. Uh, I fully, you know, you can come back to this and just ridicule me after. I don't care. He's He frustrates me like 90% of the games he plays, but Kai Havertz in the Champions League, yeah, baby. Yeah, he's going to he's gonna do something. Uh, so with that said, uh, score predictions, folks. Uh, we gonna, we're going to get out of this live. Um, Jam, go to you, score prediction. So Madrid do concede goals. I do think we'll score, believe it or not. Uh, we may even score first. I, actually, I'm going to say it. We're going to score first. Nice and early. We're going to be like on, on cloud nine. And they are just going to thump us for the rest of the game. 3-1. Madrid. I, I hate to say it. I'm being realistic. Not what I want. But this is what I think will happen. Fair enough. Harry, score prediction. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree with uh, Jam's sort of um, future diagnosis of the game. I I think that we will lose, but not just by 3-1. I think it will be 5-1 Madrid. I literally, I cannot name a game where I've had such little hope. Um, I have, I'm, I'm, I'm literally at an all-time low with this squad. Um, and I'm sorry. Like, I, I'm so optimistic usually with uh, Chelsea, but I can't see anything. I, uh, and I think they'll destroy us. I think... Um, Especially, it, and I'm, I'm predicting it on the basis that Kepa's going to be in goal. I guarantee you, he'll let in a few goals that shouldn't have been let in. Uh, so you always have to account for that. <laughs> He's just full on. Like I, we try to be like this is the most sort of vehemently strong Kep, anti Kepa starts we've had all season. Um, Akash, score prediction: three-one uh, Chelsea. <laughs> Ruben Loftus Ruben cheek to come off the bench and hit a hat trick. Right, yeah, because he, obviously the solution he, he's going to what's going to happen as well. If Ruben's going to come and it's going to be sort of in that strike about full sign role that Antonio Conte had planned for him all those years ago. Um, yeah, no, it's ah, oh, just just be alive for the second leg, Chelsea. That's all I can say. Just be alive. 
if we can come away like with a one goal deficit, that would be grand in my eyes. It will be difficult. I'm scared to sort of put this out on the TL as well, right? So just in case the visa does come through, I want the first game I'm there to not be a dead rubber. So if we get smashed like final at the Bernabeu and then I come over, <laughs> I'm not too sure. So yeah, I'm hoping we give them a good fight. If we yeah. pack the midfield, we should be able to hold it for nil nil or something there. So. Yeah, no, exactly. Just be alive for a second. Like, no, it can't be anything less, anything more than a one goal deficit we've got to overturn. Uh, that's it. I think we're losing 3 0. Um, so, yeah. Uh, <laughs> before Borussia Dortmund, I was very confident we would go through, despite everything I've watched of Chelsea this season, because it was Borussia Dortmund and this is Chelsea. Uh, but this is Real Madrid. And Real Madrid are inevitable in this competition. You cannot stop them. I'm sorry, folks. It's over. It's over. You cannot stop them. They beat PSG last year. From the dead. They beat us. They had us beat. They had it lost. And then they beat us. They were dead against against Manchester City. And then they beat Liverpool in the final. And let's be real. They absolutely played with Liverpool in this in the round of 16 first leg. And they didn't really have to get our first gear. And we were basically Liverpool's level right now. Yeah. I know before I said Dortmund, embrace the challenge, embrace the opportunity. Uh, except reality, folks. Except reality. We are getting stuffed. And I'm sorry to be negative. It's the most probably downbeat I've been about a game. But it's Real Madrid. They're European royalty. They are inevitable. You cannot stop them. The only team that can potentially stop them, I think, is Manchester City. I genuinely think the only team that can maybe stop them is Manchester City. And that's relying on Edison, actually, because, you know, not doing Edison things in the Champions League, which he always tends to do. Generally, Real Madrid, they, they've won. I'm sorry, folks. Enjoy the game. Because what? Because while it's still nil nil, we're alive. While it's still the game starts off at nil nil, right? So we go in there, we have hope, right? But just, but it, it's probably done, right? It's probably done. I accepted fate when we got drawn against Real Madrid in the quarterfinals. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but it's over. It's over. It's not looking good, breath. Can I just say disappointment? You can never be disappointed. Can I just say as well that I think this, um, that this is why it's so insincere for the people online to say that putting Lampard in charge now, um, you know, destroys our chances of winning a Champions League. But we League. weren't winning it with um, Nagelsmann or Enrique if you get him in now. Exactly, exactly. Like, I, like, granted, be I think serious. We can be, I think we can be more a bit more optimistic about our scorelines. I mean, I don't think we can see five with, with someone in charge. But I'd honestly, I do, again, and people go, it's defeat, it's defeat. I do not see a world where ch- ch- this current Chelsea beat Real, this current Real Madrid side, whoever's in charge. I know this Real Madrid are second in the Liga. And they lost to Villarreal. But Real Madrid are just a different beast in the Champions League. Like they are that exactly. one, that team in cup competition. Like they literally, they're second in the league. They're what twelve points behind Barcelona. It could be fifteen points. They went to the new Camp the other night and was put four past them after being one nil down from the first leg. Like last last night versus Villarreal. I don't think Mortis didn't start. Cruz didn't start. I mean, yeah, exactly. They're resting him for us. Oh, BC, you know. But, like... And 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 you've got to remember that even if we beat. Madrid over not just one game. We have to, you know, beat them over for two legs. It's City or Bayern um, next. Yeah, it's City and Bayern next. So... City, who we've not scored against since winning the Champions League in Porto. Like, I'm sorry, folks. I realize, like, yeah, I realize. Grant, our chances of winning the Champions League probably less, you know, a, a lesser than the draws made now, especially with Frank in charge. But when the draw was made and we got Real Madrid, I think that was kind of an acceptance of fate that it's done. It's done, right? Because it's just the way it is. Like, this is just where Chelsea are this season. Like, they can, they managed to, you know, rise themselves for Dortmund. But again, with a great respect to Borussia Dortmund, 
that's a, there's a big gap between Borussia Dortmund and Real Madrid. Like, there is a huge, huge gap in terms of quality right there. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's really downbeat. Um, but I say the tie starts nil-nil. So just enjoy it. Um, you know, Frank Lampard's Chelsea at the Bernabeu. He's getting the opportunity to manage Chelsea in a knockout tie. You know, he obviously got that in this first season when we got absolutely crushed by Bayern Munich. As see, unlike that time when I went into that game off of, on, in optimism purely because we had just done the double over Jose Mourinho Spurs at that point, only to then see basically one of the best ever performances I've seen by a side at Stamford Bridge in that first leg when they worked the floor of us 3 0. This time, it's Real Madrid. It's the first leg away. Just hopefully don't get too much of a battering over two legs, please. We're not going to be in the Champions League next season. We're not going to be in any European football next season. Just enjoy hearing that Champions League anthem for the last time. Again, to end upon the note, I'm literally, I care more about Manchester City against Liverpool against Arsenal today than I do for Chelsea's remaining league games. Like, just go to the Bernabeu. Just have fun, Chelsea. Have fun. I mean, there's no Mesa Mount who absolutely loves playing Real Madrid as well. So that was always going to be difficult. But, but yeah. We're on the beach. We're on the beach. The podcast is on the beach for the last few weeks of the season. It's just pure vibes. It's pure vibes. Um, what will be will be. Nothing really matters. Nothing really matters. And that's okay because next season stuff will start to matter again. Um, we didn't even mention, by the way. Sorry, I will just round this. The owners have had an absolute stinker this season. I should say we have been, you know, while we, we're, we, while we are happy with Frank Lampard coming in, we are fully aware that it is a very clever ploy by the owners. To sort of get fans back on side we are not deluded into like thinking there's something like it is something grander than that right we also get the positives of him coming back aside from from the pr spin but i should just say like we can happily admit that the owners have fucked up as i mentioned on pods before when you sack thomas tuchel and his replacement is sacked before the season is out you have had an absolute shocker regardless of what various feelings were on tuchel and how good or bad things were at the end the ownership have had an absolute shocker this season and but, but you know we can all have given it you know They've got to get this next appointment right, which again, why, if that next guy is only available in the summer, then that's fine with me. Because, you know, I didn't think we were winning the Champions League regardless of who came in right now. So I don't think anything really changes. And I would rather get it right in the summer than rush it now, still not win the Champions League, and then rue that decision later down the line. Absolutely. Absolutely. Super Frankie Lampard is back at Chelsea. We've got... Now, how are you going to say something? Can I just say as well, even if the you know in this miraculous scenario Lampard somehow wins the Champions League, I would hope that he would just leave, like just leave the club on the high. That's how much I care that we nail our permanent manager um, because the the only as much as I love the man. I just don't think it would serve us well to keep him, even if we won the Champions League. And because um, I know that's been a discussion going around online lately, but I would hope that he'd just leave on a high and then maybe come back in another five years' time when he's really earned his trade as a manager, if that's actually what he wants to end up doing. But yeah, I think I agree with you, Nick. I think that it's so important that now the owners have had an absolute horror show um, that they nail um, the permanent replacement in summer. And I, I think, again, it's got to be a manager that understands exactly what they want to implement with this Chelsea team. They need to have a perfect idea of what their style of football is going to be. None of this chopping and changing stuff. Uh, I just, I just, um, I don't know who it should be. And maybe you'll do another episode on that, Nick. But um, I just, they've got to get it right. 
Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. In the meantime, we are not the ones who make that decision. So let's hope and let's have to trust that the board get that right man in the summer. I think it's basically between two candidates at this point. But, you know, we could be we could be wrong there. Enjoy Chelsea's final eight Premier League games that are basically meaningless. We're on 39 points. The last time that was not enough to stay up was the 2010-11 season, right? So we're kind of fine. We're 12 points clear of 18th place, you know, with eight games to go. Like, it's fine. It's fine, folks. Just breathe. Just relax. And just see what happens in the Champions League at the Bernabeu. Who knows? Chelsea could shock the world. Just, you know, the idea is great. The idea is great. Just live. Just live in that. I don't know. I live in that dream state till till reality hits you. But that's going to wrap it up this week of that Chelsea podcast. No listener questions because I can't be asked to answer them. Um, and it was nice to just have a nice chat with with three good friends on the pod about Chelsea, about Frank Lampard's return, etc. Uh, as I always do to guests, give themselves one plug. So Jam, tell people where they can find you and all your stuff for Chelsea Social. Yeah, it was a good episode, lads. Um, despite the current state of affairs at Chelsea, it's always a good laugh um, speaking to you boys. Um, and yeah, everyone can find me on at carefree underscore jam, which is on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Um, then I'm the co-owner of the Chelsea Social. Um, that's at the Chelsea Social on Twitter and Instagram. And then uh, the uh, women's page as well, which is at the CFCW Social to Twitter and Instagram. Nice one, nice one. Those links will be in the description below. Harry, it was a pleasure having you on the podcast for the first time. We'll have to make it happen more often. Uh, give yourself one last plug where people can find you on Twitter. Sure, yeah. Thanks, guys. It was really cathartic to just talk about this current state of affairs. Um, my Twitter handle is at HK Saratov, which is S-A-R-A-T-O-V. Nice one. Harry's links will be in the description below. And Akash. I mean, it was nice to have you on. It almost seems fitting that you're, you know, that you return to a pod with Frank Lampard, you know, coming back in charge of Chelsea. Um, we obviously met during, I think, the, the Lampard era. So it's nice that you actually come on the pod uh, while he's in charge. Uh, just give yourself one last plug where people can find you. For sure. Uh, on Twitter, you can find me at Akash Hebar CFC8. But I, I mostly tweet and deactivate. So uh, the last hundred of my tweets have like one like. <laughs> and... If I'm not there on Twitter, you can find me on Akash.Hebar on Instagram or uh, Chelsea Karan on YouTube. And we're trying to branch out into English content. So hopefully have you guys on there as well. Soon. Nice Thank one. you, Nick, for having me. Always a pleasure talking football with you guys. Yeah, it was a pleasure, Akash. It was a pleasure. As for us, we're on Twitter about Chelsea Pod. We're on Instagram about Chelsea Pod. We're on all your usual podcast platform providers, Apple, Spotify, etc. If you're not subscribed already, then what are you doing? subscribe and follow the show there if you've enjoyed what you've heard please leave a five star review if you've disliked what you've heard just keep it to yourself folks you know one star review benefits nobody um <laughs> whenever i do put out any likes retweets goes a long way at the end of the day we're all chelsea fans talking about the one club we love and we're talking about frank lampard's chelsea from now till the end of the season enjoy it embrace the chaos embrace what will, what, what what is to come but until the next episode everybody keep the blue flag flying high Sports Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.